1 Corinthians 11.32. We're just going to start with one verse there. So good to see you here this morning. 1 Corinthians 11.32 says, But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. When we're judged, we're chastened of the Lord. That's a good thing. We've talked about that in our study in Hebrews. That we should not be condemned with the world. Now, last week we did a sermon. Uh, the message was on judgment. Christian judging. And judging God's way. And the need to judge. And importance to judge. And to judge rightly. And who are we to judge first and foremost is ourselves. Then we can see clearly to go help someone else and minister to them. It's not a judgmental spirit. It's not a judgmental attitude. It's judging rightly from a pure heart and from the Word of God and being a vessel through which God can first judge yourself by the Holy Spirit and by the Bible and then seek to help others. Well, this, we're going to kind of take off on that and for the next couple of weeks talk about uh, this thought of condemnation and conviction. Okay? As, as believers, first of all, we just read this Scripture right here that when we're judged, we're chastened of the Lord. That's not a bad thing to be chastened of the Lord because the Bible says who the Lord loves, He chastens. All right? I'll just read it to you. My son, this is from Proverbs 3 if you're taking notes, 11 and 12. My son, despise not thou the, not the chastening of the Lord. Don't despise it. Don't despise God's dealing with your life even when it's, when it's chastening and correction. Our lives are filled with that. They need to be filled with that because there's a lot of rough edges in us that need to be worked off even as a saved man to become more like Jesus. All right, Despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of His correction. For whom the Lord loveth, He correcteth. Aren't you glad that you're corrected? It means God loves you. Amen? Even as a father, the son in whom He delights. We all have been... Uh, many parents in here, we've all been children at one point. We know what it's like to correct and to be chastened, and we know what it's like uh, to do the correcting and the chastening. And it's out of love. And so if we can love our children, a lost man can love their children too. You know, not with the love of the Lord, but they can love their children. Um, how much more does our Heavenly Father, we can rest in that. Kind of like what Peter was talking about in Sunday school this morning. Uh, just rest in the, in the fact that God is who He says He is. He's going to keep His promises. And the Bible says whom He loves, He chases. Now having said that, uh, we are not, when we're chastened of the Lord, when we're corrected of the Lord, that is not a condemnation. That is not uh, this judgment against us, which we're going to talk about today and, and probably next week as well. We're not condemned with the world. The Bible tells us in verse 32, when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. It's almost like it's one or the other. So if God's chastening me as a son and dealing with me as a child and a father who pities his child and loves me and wants the best for my life, and that is the fact, okay? If God is dealing with me that way, then I'm not condemned with the world. I'm loved by my Father and in a father-son or father-daughter relationship with God where He is actually my Lord and my Savior and my God and my Father and my friend and my deliverer and my help and my hope. He's all those things for me. And I'm judged by the Lord and I'm convicted by the Lord and I'm chastened by the Lord and I'm corrected by the Lord because He does love me. 
and I'm not condemned with the world that doesn't know God, that stands outside of the family of God and outside of the blood of Jesus. This is our thought for this week and next week. We're not condemned with the world, but we stand as believers. We, we did our series, remember, on positional holiness and then practical holiness. Okay, so I'm going to, uh, some of that's going to be tied into this as well, but it's okay. We kind of go back over things and, and we bring them to remembrance, and we, that's how we learn. That's how we grow in the Word of God. But we stand as believers now, fully justified by the grace of God, before God, and in His sight. We stand justified by, by the Lord, by our faith in the Lord. Okay? In Jesus Christ. And it's essential that the people of God understand the difference between condemnation and conviction. So if you want to title this, or if you were taking notes, and one thought, you can put conviction or condemnation versus conviction. Okay? Condemnation versus conviction. What do these two words even mean? Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it as we go. I, if, if a believer misses it here and doesn't get the difference between these two thoughts and words, okay, he's going to miss it in a, in a lot of areas in his Christianity, I can promise you. If you and I don't get this difference between the conviction of the Holy Ghost in our lives and His chastening and His correction and He's pointing out things in our lives that are not right, exposing them, and then bring us to a place of dependency and calling out to Him for help in those areas. If we don't understand the difference between that, which is a very helpful and beneficial and necessary thing, and the condemnation uh, of the world or of a lost man, then we've really missed it. And it's going to lead, it's going to affect, greatly affect, adversely affect our walk, our daily walk with God and our peace and our joy. It's all going to be affected by that if we don't get it and understand. Now, if you're just oblivious and, and not even really seeking God, and you're, you know what I mean, you're just going through life uh, carelessly, I guess maybe it wouldn't bother you that much. But for people that are seriously pursuing after God, and when we're pursuing after God, then we're chastened of the Lord because we're seeking God. And He's dealing with us about something in our lives. We need to know that's the dealing of God in my life, which is a good thing and not this condemnation of some enemy upon my life. Alright? And so that's the thought. The difference between condemnation and conviction. And personally, as a pastor, this is one of the areas that I have found to be a, uh, the great, one of the greatest areas of confusion among the people of God. Uh, I would say maybe confusion or ignorance. And it brings a lot of unrest to your, to your Christianity. And I'll explain it. I'm not trying to make you uh, add unrest, but among the saints of God, people are, are, that are really saved, and we don't need to be confused about this. We don't need to be unsettled about this and disturbed by this because God's Word is very clear. So we're just going to go to the Bible. When we go to the Bible, the, the Lord's going to clear up these things. Uh, he's very clear on the subject. We go un to the unchanging Word of God, the living Word of God, and we let Him settle it in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits. Okay? So I want to lay a little groundwork just very quickly. This is pertinent, very pertinent to, to this topic. Okay? So just stay with me for a little while. Um, because of God's great love for all men, all right? God so loved the world, right? 
God desires men to be saved. We know that. And not only does He desire that, but He has made the way for all men to be saved. He has made that provision um, through His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus as our Savior. And Jesus as our Healer. As I said, Jesus as our Deliverer. As our Help. And the Bible says that he that believes on Him shall not be confounded or ashamed. So it's a question of faith. But God has made a way for all men, no matter how far we've strayed, all we like sheep have gone astray, turned every man to his own way. That is a wonderful... If you're ever just trying to get a picture of the whole plan of God, where men are, where God is, what His desire is, at Isaiah 53, you ought to read it. I know you're probably familiar with it. A messianic uh, prophecy about Jesus' first coming. But all we like sheep, every man, the good, the bad, and the ugly, however you want to categorize people, all we like sheep have gone astray, turned every man to his own way. And the Lord laid the iniquity of us all upon Jesus. Okay, So all the sheep that have gone astray, every one has had the, their sins paid for by Jesus Christ Himself personally. He did it Himself. Okay, His own right hand got Him the victory. And... And we, all we have to do is look unto Him and be saved. It's a look of faith. It's a turning to a repentance and turning to God and believing. So God desires all men to be saved. He's made a provision for all men to be saved by placing their trust and confidence squarely and solely upon Jesus Christ and His finished work of redemption on the cross. This is just the Gospel, okay? And if a man is lost... If he's still outside of the Lord, doesn't mean, and I say this all the time, a lost man doesn't mean that they're demon-possessed. A lost man is not necessarily a devil worshiper. He's already lost. He's a sinful nature of Adam. He could be a devil worshiper, but he's probably just lost, a child of Adam. The Bible says, as in Adam, all die. Okay? And so he's lost. And if he's lost, the Lord wants him to know that he's lost. Right? And a preacher one time, I remember hearing him say that you got to get a man lost before you can get him saved. And that is the absolute truth. Because if you, if a person's lost, but they think they're okay, they just think they're a good old boy, they just think their life's pretty good, I figure when I die, I'm going to heaven. God needs to wake them up. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeks after good. God. There's none that doeth good. All of our hearts are, are just evil and so forth. And it's because of this sinful nature that we have and because we've committed sins. All right? I always say we're a sinner in two ways. We have a sinful nature of Adam that we're born into that we have no real choice of. And then because we have a sinful nature of Adam, we sin. We commit sins. We're guilty of this, 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 and this all through our lives. And so, if, but if a man is lost, he's outside of Christ, he's not born again, he's still carrying the weight of his sins, the Lord wants that lost man or woman or young person to know that they're lost. I want to first get them to know they're lost. It's not a comparison. Well, I'm a little bit better than Liz, is a little, Liz a little bit better than Michael or whatever. We go through life comparing ourselves. There's Christ and then there's lost men. So you can compare yourself all you want to the people around you, but none of us measure up to His standard. But by faith in Him, we're robed in His righteousness. Okay, He elevates us. He saves us. He lifts us up out of a horrible pit. 
called sin and out of the miry clay. But if a man's lost, God wants him to know he's lost because he loves him and he wants him to be saved. So this, these are elementary things that we know. He wants him to know he's a child of Adam. He's a child of wrath that he's lost in his or her sin. And in complete, and at that moment they stand in complete destitute in the sense of, of any kind of standing before the Lord. Just no kind of righteousness. No leg to stand on, so to speak, before the Lord. Lost man is just lost. Alright? I don't care if they've worked in their church all their lives. If they're lost, they're lost. No leg to stand on before the Lord. God wants them to know they're in complete need and desperate need of Jesus and the salvation that He alone can give them. Alright? Now, same token, if a man is saved, if he is born again of the Spirit of Almighty God, he has been washed in the blood of Jesus, our sins are removed uh, as far as the east is from the west. That's farther than 1,500 miles. Uh, it's a long way. And they never meet. How about that? It's just in, in, incalculable. And so if the man is, is born again and washed in the blood of Jesus, the Lord wants him to know that he's born again. He wants you, if you've given your life to Christ, He wants you to have a confidence in that. He wants you to have a confidence that I belong to Jesus. It's not an arrogance. It's a confidence in the Lord. It's a confidence that He is my Savior and He saved me. And He's saving me. And I'm gonna, my salvation will be complete when I get my new body and everything and I see the Lord face to face and this earthly life is over. But I am saved. If, I, if I'm saved... He wants me to know that I'm saved and to rest in that. And there's a rest that comes with that that a lot of people don't have. It's because a lot of times they're not understanding what the Lord did for them. They really are saved, but maybe they're not resting in the fact because they may not understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. could be part of the reason that they don't rest in their salvation. They rest in the Lord. Um, it's... It's the most important question for every person on the planet is where they stand with God, right? You can't possibly think of a more important thing. When I was talking to the guys at the, at the, the ministry where we went to Friday night, uh, I was talking to them, uh, some of them afterwards, just briefly as we were, were praying with them at the end and saying, y'all, there's nothing more important. There's just nothing more important. Some of those guys, well, they're there because they have different addictions in their life. Drugs and alcohol. And probably along with that came a lot of other uh, ramifications. You know, like maybe they lost their job or their family doesn't want to fool with them or maybe they're broke or maybe, you know, there's a lot of things that would go along with that type of lifestyle. And, and I know all those things are going through their mind. Even as they were sitting in that service, thinking about the Lord, and they, they got all kinds of problems. they got a, what they think is a long road ahead of them. If, and sometimes it can be overwhelming, and they think, I can never really fully climb out of this hole. What's the use? But there's nothing more important ever than knowing that question, where I stand, in, in Christ or out of Christ, saved or lost, in my sin, forgiven of my sin. <clears throat> There's not a more, and if, if that groundwork is laid, that foundation of Jesus, then he can begin to build a life. He can dig him out of that hole. It's not hard for him. He just can pick you right up and, and put you where he wants to put you. And all the things begin to fall in place. 
The Lord's able to do that. It has to start with the salvation, the surrendering of the life, surrendering of the life to Jesus in faith. There's not a more important question. It's so important. It is far too important for the Lord to leave it to where a man, any individual person on the whole planet, including you or me, to where we're confused about it. I wonder if I'm really saved or not. It's way too important. See, if that's the most important thing in the, in the life ever of a human being that God created in His image, then He doesn't want us to be confused about it. He doesn't want us to be unclear about where we stand. He doesn't want us to uh, wonder about my own standing before the Lord to hope and to wish and to assume and think maybe I'm saved, maybe I'm not. Uh, God wants to clear that up. His Word is able to do it and His Holy Spirit is able to do it. He wants men to know where they stand in Christ or outside of Christ in their sin, forgiven of their sin. The Bible says all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yea and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. That simply means to me is that there, there's no maybes with the Lord. There's the yes of the Lord and there's the no of the Lord. There's everything in Jesus is everything in Jesus. And then there's outside of Christ. And all of His promises uh, come are, are, are true. And they're not maybes or wishy-washy or in-between or I'm not sure. Turn with me in your Bibles. And uh, we're going to look at a couple of passages here. Starting First 1 John chapter 5. Then we're going to go to Romans. Now it seems like we go to this... I go to this chapter a lot, and others do as well, uh, specifically when it gets down to prayer. We're asking things according to His will. We know that He hears us and so forth. But I want to start a little before that in 1 John 5, 11, and we'll read through verse 13. Now, we said the Lord wants, if, it lost, if a man's lost, He wants that man to know that they're lost so they can be saved. If a man is saved, He wants them to know that they're saved so they don't fret over that. You still might have a lot of growing to do, which we all do in Christ. He wants you to know you're saved and not fear that. Oh, I wonder if I'm saved or lost. Verse 11, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Period. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may what? know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I love that passage because I can talk, if I'm counseling with somebody or, or, or they need reassurance maybe about their own salvation and they're, they're struggling with it at the time, this is a wonderful Scripture to go to. If, now they can, only they can answer the question if they truly believed in Christ. Alright? But if they did, and they say, well yes, I have then this is for you. This is the record that God has given to us, past tense, eternal life. This life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God hath not life. These things I have written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Okay? And the Lord wants us to know it. And so, uh, He wants a redeemed person to know that we belong to the Lord and y'all, the next passage we're going to read, Romans 8. This is, is wonderful as well. It's hard to say what's better. It's all God's Word. But on the same topic of knowing that we're saved and not wondering that we're saved. Now, if a man's lost, God wants him to know they're lost and not have this confidence, okay? 
But let's look at Romans 8. We're going to read 14 through 16. God has given us the Word of God. He's given us the Spirit of God, which is the third person of the Trinity in our hearts. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the Spirit, Holy Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Listen to this. The Spirit itself, the Holy Spirit Himself, bears witness with our spirit. The spirit of man. Man has a spirit, okay? We're, we're body, soul, and spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, that's a kind thing of the Lord to give us, isn't it? He didn't have to do that. You could just say, you believe in me, you're saved. And we say, okay, I believe. I think I'm saved. I hope I'm saved. I hope I really believed and so forth. And yet the Lord doesn't want it to be up in the air. It's too important, as I said. That's why Jesus came and died. That we would have eternal life. And He wants us to know that we have it. So it's a wonderful kind among, among the many wonderful things that the Holy Spirit does for a person. Okay? In the life of a believer, for example, gives us understanding of the Word of God, gives us boldness to stand and proclaim His name in the face of persecution, gives us comfort when we're hurting. There's many things the Holy Spirit does for us, but one of the greatest things He does is bring that assurance in our hearts that I truly am born of God. I am part of His family. I have passed from death to life. I am walking in this new life and I belong to the Lord. I think it's very kind of the Lord to do this. And He has supplied that knowing and that constant assurance because He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're sealed by the Spirit of promise until the day we see the Lord face to face. Sealed all the way through this life. Good times and bad times. The Holy Spirit has us sealed in. And He is constantly and continually bearing witness or testifying. That's simply what that means. He's testifying in the heart of a saved man. You're saved. He might be correcting us. He might be rebuking us. He might be chastening us. But you belong to God. You are part of His family. Your sins are forgiven. The blood of Jesus has covered you and washed you. You're robed in the righteousness of Christ. The Holy Ghost in conjunction with the Word of God is making those truths real to us and reminding us and assuring our hearts that we really belong to the Lord. And again, God doesn't want His people to live in doubt. There, there's a time, I would say, or maybe a time in every single truly saved person's life where you may doubt your salvation. I'm not saying that that's not possible and you haven't experienced that. There may be times as a saved man you doubt it. And that could be natural but God certainly does not want you and I to live there. And I know people that live there and they can't seem to get out of it. They can't seem to climb out of it. And that is not of the Lord. Again, if we go to His Word like we've just done in two passages, there's more, but we've just looked at two and say, can I stand upon this and can I trust this? I don't have to live in confusion or doubt or fear or wondering about my own salvation. There is the gift of God of the Holy Ghost in my heart testifying and there's the word of God these things I've written that you may know and so uh, he doesn't want us to live there if we're born again then he the Holy Ghost is assuring us that you know the Bible says 
that uh, as a truly saved man is saved. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and he's safe. Okay? He's safe there with the, with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is testifying or bearing witness to this fact. And here's the key, y'all. This is kind of getting into the real thought of the message today and carrying into next week. The Holy Spirit is testifying in the heart of a saved man that they're saved. He's testifying to that fact. He's bearing witness to that fact. No matter how I feel today, how often do we as Christians, we've talked about it in some of our previous messages as well, how often do uh, do we as believers live by our feelings and live by our emotions as Christians? How am I doing today? I didn't wake up and it wasn't a zippity doo dah day. You know what I mean? I, didn't, I woke up today and I was down. And I, I know the scripture says the joy of the Lord is my strength and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And I'm not joyful right now. Therefore, and we fill in the blanks. Maybe I'm not really saved. You understand what I'm saying? And people live in this. Again, if you're lost, get saved. The Lord wants you to know you're lost. He's, he can convict you that you're lost. But He's not going to tell you or make you wonder if you're lost, if you're really saved. Okay? The Lord's not going to do that. My emotions will do that. My humanity will do that. My human carnal mind will do that. Certainly the devil will do that. Certainly this world around me will do that. The only one I can really trust is the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, what saith the Lord? What saith the Scriptures? What is the Holy Ghost testifying to me? So again, I'm speaking, right now let's, let's say I'm speaking strictly to saved people. We are saved. No matter how I feel today, no matter if I had a bad day in the Lord or not, if I'm in Christ, then I'm in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to that fact. And if I'm in Christ, I'm not condemned with the world. I'm not. I may be chastened hard. I may be rebuked and corrected very strictly, okay? Strongly, adamantly by the Lord. But no matter how I feel today, no matter if I had a bad day and sinned in my walk with the Lord today, uh, committed some particular sin today. If I'm saved, I'm saved. That does not change. I don't just step in and out of Christ. We don't even have that right to do that. We don't have that power to do that. To step in and out of Christ. We talked in Hebrews, and I think it was pretty clear, we, we got into it in detail about apostasy. Of falling away. That's, that, that is a possibility, but that's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about somebody who saved and based just from day to day, almost moment to moment, they're wondering. Feel good about their salvation, feel bad about it. Feel like I'm saved, wonder if I'm saved. Just, just told a lie and no, I shouldn't have. And then feel, you know what I mean, just in and out, in and out. But they're not really in and out. If they're in Christ, they're established upon this rock of their salvation. And we're in Christ and we're robed in the righteousness of Christ. If I lied as a Christian, what do I need to do? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just. Do it quickly. Be quick to repent. Quick to come out of it. Don't get in a pattern of sin. Don't get in a lifestyle of sin. Come out of it quickly. 
That's the answer for a believer, okay? But I still was a believer the whole time. I was still saved the whole time. And so, uh, by the Holy Spirit bearing witness to our spirit, and witness, y'all, is simply that word witness, when you look it up as a noun, it means one who knows. So if the Holy Ghost is that witness in my heart that I am a child of God, and I'm born again, and I'm washed in the blood of Jesus, and I have the gift of eternal life. The Holy Ghost is one who knows. He is the witness in my heart. He knows. I don't always know perfectly. But I don't need to listen to me all the time. I need to listen to the Lord, and that's the only one I need to listen to. And so the witness is one who knows or one who has knowledge. Praise God, He knows. Amen? He knows. For the Lord knoweth them that are His. I think it's in 2 Timothy. Right? The Lord knoweth them that are His. You and I don't know it perfectly. We can know in our own hearts because the Holy Ghost bears witness. I can know by another person's fruit. The only one who really knows perfectly all men is the Lord. And He does know. And so, um, He has no pleasure in a saved person, truly saved person, doubting their own salvation. Think about that. If I love my children with all my heart, it would grieve me if they thought I didn't love them. When I'm like, how can I love you anymore? What else could I do? How can I express it to you any more greatly than I have? It would grieve me if my children wondered, oh, Dad, Dad got mad at me today. I'm totally making something up because I didn't do something he told me to do. And now I guess he doesn't love me anymore. Uh, you know what I mean? How that must grieve the Lord if he, if we're wondering, does God love me? Am I really saved? Do I really belong to the Lord? He's like, what are you talking about? I saved you. You're my child. Okay? You did something wrong. Repent of it. I'll forgive you. All right? And let's keep walking and moving on. He has no pleasure. I guess I was, I was, the thought is he has no pleasure in a truly saved person doubting their salvation. It doesn't bring God any glory or pleasure. Okay? And he wouldn't have any pleasure in a lost man thinking that they were saved either. But I want to move it on to the, the topic at hand about conviction versus condemnation. Now this is important. Condemnation. We, we read it in the Bible. We're going to read several Scriptures here in just a moment. But condemnation, if you are taking notes, it is a legal term that means to judge against or an adverse sentence. To judge against or an adverse sentence. You know, like a legal sentence upon somebody's life. Now, when I say that we're talking about something being a legal term, it doesn't mean that it's just some uh, insignificant technical talk. That's not what I mean by that. Oh, that's just some... I don't know about all that condemnation stuff or justification. Or, you know, just because it's a legal term doesn't mean it's not pertinent or not important, okay, or have reality in our lives. It has definite spiritual significance in our life. But I just want you to know the term itself, condemnation, is a legal term, it means to judge against, against, or an adverse sentence. Every lost person, it's like, you know, we talked about the great white throne judgment last week. Every lost person is still what? They're still in their sin. They're not in Christ. They're in their sin. 
That's the two ways, one of two ways that every human being, atheist, agnostic, Muslim, whatever, good, you know, Indian chief, doctor, lawyer, whatever type of person, everybody's going to die in their sin or in Christ. That's it. They're in their sin and stay in their sin. They die in their sin. They're outside of Christ. Okay? Now, every lost person is still in their sin and in their, unbel- in their sinful state of unbelief, they stand condemned before the Lord. That is their legal standing before God. Now, they're loved by God. Jesus died for them. And at any moment, their deathbed, their last gasp of breath, if in sincere faith they'll call upon Jesus, He's ready and willing and able to save them. And He will. Because He's willing that all come to repentance. So, in their lost state, they stand in their sin, they stand in unbelief, and we were all there at one time, and they stand, they're standing before Almighty God as a state of, or standing of condemnation. The sentence against them is against them. The sentence over their lives is an adverse sentence. They have been judged against because of their unbelief. So they stand, maybe they're very popular with people, maybe they're very popular in the church, but if they're lost in God's eyes, there's an adverse sentence from Him upon their lives, even though they're very loved by the Lord. Does that make sense? Their standing is not what it should be and could be. God is has judged a sentence against their lives. as That's the, what the, the word con- condemn or condemnation stands for or where it comes from. And uh, they stand that way before their Creator. Uh, just listen to this Scripture from Romans 5.18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, that's Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation by the sinful offense of one man, our earthly father. We're all descended down from Adam. Okay, As by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came upon all men, whole planet of men, People that are going to be born today and tomorrow and all those that have lived and died. Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, that's the second Adam, that's Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men unto justification. Another legal term. Rendered just. Rendered innocent. Guiltless. Innocent before the Lord. So there's an adverse sentence or Him rendering you as being innocent. And you know good and well as a Christian, and I know I can start listing out, I don't want to, sinful things I've committed in my life. But the Lord said they're washed away. And the verdict over my life, because of Christ, because I'm in Christ, and the Lord sees me in His Son Jesus, and you that way, the verdict over my life is not condemnation as it was in Adam. I'm in Christ now, and the verdict over everyone that's in Christ is justification of life. Not death, not condemnation, not eternal separation from God, but justification and life and walk with God. Alright? So that's a wonderful Scripture. And so, keeping in mind condemnation and what it means. They are, a lost person is outside of Christ, without God, by nature children of what? Wrath, the Bible says. Doesn't mean God hates them. He didn't hate you before you were saved. He loved you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But our legal sentence, because of our, our refusal 
to come to the only one who can save us and to put our trust in Him, the sentence upon our life strictly for that reason is one of condemnation. Condemnation. And we're children of wrath. The lost are under the judgment of God already. <coughs> I know they're going to be judged in the great white throne judgment, but they're already, they already have a sentence over their lives now. They're already under the judgment of God. We're under the favor of God right now as believers. Amen. And the mercy. And we're part of the family of God and so forth. But they are in judgment already and stand that way because of their sin and their unbelief in the Savior. The wages of sin is death. Wonderful passage of Scripture that talks about this in John 3. It says, uh, He that believeth is not what? Condemned. So just think of it. It's a question of faith. He that believeth is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. They already stand in that state. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world, but men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And man has a choice about that sentence over their life. They don't have to stay in a state of condemnation. They can come to Jesus. This is the condemnation. Light's coming to the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Right? But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But he that believeth is not condemned. So they could come and they could have that sentence removed from off of their lives. Just listen to this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus said this in John 5, 24, He that heareth My word and believeth on Him that sent Me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. So this whole talk about condemnation and conviction that we're going to be talking about, sometimes I think people just get some idea, even as a Christian in their head, and they throw it around. But if you just had the Bible and went to it, it's so very clear. He that has my, hears my word and believes on Him that sent me, Jesus said, has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You put that with Romans 5.18 about Adam and then the second Adam. You put that with John 3.18 and 19 that this is the condemnation that I just uh, quoted a second ago. And we see it. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of sincere faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord, uh, we turn to Him for forgiveness and salvation. And the Lord saves that person. Okay? And at salvation, we don't think about it all at the moment that we're being saved. But at salvation, the condemnation is removed from our life. Not as we're saved and we're growing and we're really starting to bear a lot of fruit, but as we turn to the Lord by faith and are saved. At the moment of salvation, the adverse sentence from our lives is removed. And so the condemnation is removed from our lives. Praise God for that. Praise the Lord for that. So it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter if I stumble for the next few weeks after I got saved and I still struggle with drinking or or whatever it may be. It doesn't it matters in the sense of my own walk with God. I, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the, the the subject of saved or lost, condemned or justified, because that doesn't change. The Bible is very clear on that. We have to believe God's word. It is not based on our feelings. I'm glad it's not based upon my feelings. I'm glad that God can set it 
and I can just trust Him. And Holy Spirit, if I'll listen to His voice, can bear witness with my spirit. That's the voice I need to listen to. I need to hear what He's saying. And uh, So I want to just keep, keep going for a little bit. Every born-again person stands before the Lord, every saved person, justified, robed in the true righteousness of Christ. That's the believer's new standing. We've talked about it before. That's our position before the Lord because he or she is now in Christ. This happens at salvation. And the Lord has pronounced a new verdict or new sentence over the believer's life. It's real. And it's not, again, it's not based on how, our, how we feel. We're not condemned, but we're justified and we're forgiven and we're innocent and we're clean. Now, I've often heard, and again, this, this is kind of really the heart of what we're talking about today. I have heard it oftentimes in my life as a pastor. You might have heard it. You might have thought it. You might have said it. I might have thought and said it before. I'm not ridiculing anybody. I'm simply saying, I've heard often in my life, a true believer, they'll make the statement something like this, and they'll say, I just feel condemned. That sermon made me feel condemned. That Bible passage I just read made me feel condemned. And, and I would say to that, if I was saying that, or thinking that, or somebody was coming to me saying that, and they're being sincere, okay? Their feeling may be real. In other words, they really feel that way. So I can't say, no, you don't feel that way. No, they really do feel that way. Alright? They really feel that way, but though their feeling is real, that there's no basis in truth to them feeling that way. They might really feel that way, but it's not based on the Word of God. It's not based on the witness of the Holy Spirit. It's not based on any, any reality in heaven of what God is looking and seeing in your life or thinking about you. Right now, we have to be able to separate our salvation from some personal performance and how we're walking at any moment. I'm in Christ or I'm not. If I'm in Christ, then I'm in Christ. And I'll be in Christ tonight when I go to bed. And if a a jealous thought came to my mind or a prideful word came out of my mouth or comes out of my work mouth on a ball field, you know, or on a at work tomorrow. And I say, God, and the Holy Ghost smites my heart. And I say, God, forgive me. Those things will come and go. I'm not going from justified, condemned, condemned, justified, lost, saved, saved, lost. And so the feeling that that person, this Christian brother or sister, says, I, that, that I read that uh, passage today, and it just made me feel so condemned. Uh, it's not based on real. You felt that way. I'm not saying you didn't. But there's no reality based on God's Word in you feeling that way. So let's go to the Word of God and let Him settle it in your mind. Let Him settle it in your heart. Let Him settle it in your spirit. The two, uh, I guess, most important passages that we're going to read today, and we read a lot, but let's look at Romans 8. We just were there, but look up at chapter 8, verse 1. We all know the Scripture. There's therefore what? Now, that means right now, no condemnation. I mean, every word's important, okay? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, 
but after the Spirit. Uh, a lot of Bible scholars say that the second half of that scripture about where it talks about those who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit that was added later and wasn't part of the original text, I really don't know. Okay? But even if I didn't have that last part, it doesn't change the meaning of the scripture to me. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That is what the Bible says. And so no matter how I feel, or this brother or sister in the Lord uh, feels at this moment, God's Word declares that there is no condemnation. There's none. So Chris feels really condemned today because he, he did something, thought something unkind or whatever. It's not based... On, he might feel that way, but he's using the wrong word. He might feel convicted by the Holy Spirit. That's why I said at the beginning, if you miss it here, you're missing something important. You may very well and you should feel conviction if I was rude to my wife or unchristlike or ungodly in some way in my action today. Then I absolutely should feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If I belong to Him, I will. I'll discern it. I'll know it. I'll experience it. Okay? But I cannot, as a biblically mature person, confuse that with condemnation. Condemnation. Not, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So what am I going to believe? What I think at the moment or am I going to believe what Romans 8.1 says? I don't even need a bunch more Scriptures than that, but I've, I've got that one. Okay? He that believeth is not condemned. John chapter 3 we talked about. And so we, we have the Word of God to settle it. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures here. For if our heart condemn us, and at times it might and it might might well condemn us. If our own heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. And y'all, he has the final say so on it, on the matter of my salvation and my walk with him. Pleasing to God, not pleasing to him in Christ, outside of Christ, forgiven, unforgiven. The final say so comes from the Lord. He has the final word, is knowing the truth perfectly and being able to state it. Speak it over my life and for me to rest in it and stand in it. He has the final authoritative word on the matter. If our own heart condemns us, not a person, not the devil, not a sermon, not a message, not a devotional, not a Bible passage, if my own heart condemns me as a Christian, God's greater than my heart. If I'll trust Him, He can set it back where it needs to be. Thank You, Lord, that You're greater than my heart. Okay? Thank You, Lord, that You're greater than my heart. A man, a sermon, a preacher, listen, y'all, cannot... This is what I've told people before in actual conversations. A man, a sermon, a preacher cannot, quote, put you under condemnation. A man and a sermon or nobody else, the devil, nobody has that authority to do that in your life. They may whisper things in your ear. They might shout things to your face. They might tell and explain and appeal to your human reason why you're condemned. But they don't have the authority to put you under condemnation. Because there's a judge above all. And that judge above all, when I gave my life to Christ, says, justify. And there's no condemnation over this life anymore. And that's the one I need to listen to. Right? And so, nobody can, quote, put you under condemnation unless you just let them. 
You just go along with it and fall into that. I'm not saying that you might not try. I don't know why a Christian man or pastor would try to put somebody under condemnation. But the point is, certainly we have an, uh, things that are adverse against us. We have an adversary, the devil. And he wants to take a child of God and make them maybe live in uh, insecurity and fear and doubt. Wondering every time if they, they think a sinful thought or do something unchristlike that they're lost and they're condemned. Satan would love for God's people to be bound up in a fear like that and a torment, right? So we know that there, there are things coming against us to try to make us feel condemned, but there's no reality to it. God, this, Satan wants to steal our joy and so forth, and, and uh, he wants to, to make us feel that way, but there's no reality to, to that. Satan does not have that authority. There's not a person alive or a demon or spirit or the devil himself that has the authority to put you under condemnation. You've given your life to Jesus. If you're born again, then you're born again. So there's not that authority given to them. And we shouldn't, we're not to give place to that. I just want to read a couple of scriptures that as I was studying this encouraged me. They gather themselves together, David said, Psalm 94, against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. So who is this? People. It's wicked people that gather around and try to condemn the innocent blood. But God has said innocent over them. So they try to do that. We're living in a world that's going to try to do that against our lives. And sometimes our own hearts and minds want to cooperate with that lie. We want to go along with it because of how we feel today. But we have to stand upon God's Word and trust Him. Listen to this, Psalm 37, 32, and 3. The wicked watcheth the righteous. So wicked people are watching the righteous, like you, and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he's judged. The Lord's not. The Lord's not going to leave you in the hands of the wicked. Your fate is not left up to them. And He's not going to condemn you when you're judged. Because He's already said, this is the righteous, the wicked. Watch, watch the righteous. We're righteous by the blood of Jesus in a New Testament sense. He's removed our transgressions. We're about to close. He has, he has removed the adverse sentence from our lives. And we must believe the witness of the Holy Ghost in our hearts. We must believe it. We need to encourage each other in that if you're lost, you need to get saved. God will make it clear to you. If you're saved, He'll make that clear to you as well. And don't let your heart condemn you like that. So if we're still in Romans 8, skip down to verse 34. Another tremendous verse on this subject. It's a rhetorical question, by the way, in Romans 8.34. Who is he that condemneth? And he kind of leaves a question mark there. To me, it's the point is, is it the devil? It, it certainly is him. Is it lost people around you? Is it your own carnal mind? Who is he that condemneth? It doesn't matter. Why? Because it's Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who is He that condemns? So you're saved now, and all of a sudden you're feeling condemned. The question is, who's condemning you? God's the one that's justified you. God's the one seated at the right hand of the Father even now. So who's, who's this person, or this devil, or whatever, that's trying to condemn your life? God's already justified you. To me, that's what the point of this is. It doesn't matter who's trying to condemn you. 
the Lord Jesus has justified you. And if you're truly saved, there is no condemnation for your life. Christ has made and declared you legally just and innocent. And I got just a couple more scriptures. And that's, that's now, okay? That's right now. And the Bible says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. But, but I, just, I just got a big argument with my wife. Or I just uh, thought some horrible thoughts about my boss. Or I just, you know, beloved, now are we the sons of God. We need to know that. And if I committed those sins, ask for forgiveness. Turn from them. Ask to be strengthened. And tomorrow you're not that way. Okay? That's, that's real as well. But, but we're now we're the sons of God. If I'm a son of God, then I don't stand condemned before the Lord. I may stand guilty of, of some sin before the Lord, but I'm not condemned with an adverse sentence over my life. The Lord, for He shall stand at the right hand of the poor. This is a wonderful scripture. Psalm 109, 31. For He shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save Him from those that condemn His soul. Now, you might think of that in a natural sense. A poor person doesn't have anybody in, on their side and the Lord's going to be their public defender, okay? So that they're not condemned. But even in a big sense, a spiritual sense, before Satan or whoever, the Lord's going to stand by our poor souls to, uh, to save us from those that want to condemn us and condemn our souls. And we need to be thankful this morning, y'all. And I'm just going to say, the, the altar's open now, but... We need to be thankful that God is able to justify the ungodly and to remove all condemnation from our lives. One scripture, if you'll, if you'll close with me, turns to Isaiah 50. Let's read verses 8 and 9. You highlight this is just the sermon in a nutshell. Isaiah 50, 8 and 9. He is near that justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Why? Because God's here with me. Behold, the Lord will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. So, because he's near that justifies me. The Lord is near that justifies me. Certainly, there will be attempts to make the believer feel condemned to rob their joy, to rob their peace, to make them doubt their salvation, to feel that they're condemned because of their sin, maybe some sin in their life. They just woke up from the wrong side of the bed and felt afraid today, worried, okay? But He is near that justifies me. And God wants us to walk in a, not an arrogance, but in a complete confidence because there's no arrogance in ourselves. It's a total confidence in His power to save. He saved me. He said that if I'll confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in my heart that God had raised Him from the dead, that I'll be saved. Well, I did that and I meant it. I confessed with my mouth. I believed in my heart. I still believe today. And He's always going to be the Savior. He'll always do His part. He's able to save me and keep me safe. He wants us to stand upon Him and stand upon His Word. Y'all stand with me this morning in this house. And we're going to move in next week into because we didn't touch on it at all today, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is not the condemnation of the Lord that has been removed from our lives. The con condemnation is an adverse, guilty sentence 
upon our lives from God that we stood in before we were saved. The conviction of the Lord is proof that we belong to God and His Spirit's work in our lives to make us more like Jesus, to deal with sin in our lives. And we're going to move on to that next week. But let's just come before the Lord now. Just as God would lead you to pray this morning, to call upon the Lord, I would say that if, if you don't even know what to pray about this morning, that we would call upon the Lord and thank Him that we do stand uncondemned before the Lord. You might have had the worst day of your Christianity last night. Okay? I don't know. You don't know about mine either. But I know who I, I've believed and I'm persuaded He's able to keep all that I've committed unto Him against that day. And I still believe Him even if I sinned yesterday or last night. And so let's, let's walk in that assurance. Let God assure your heart. That's going to be our altar this morning. Let God bring that assurance in your heart that's not going to be shaken down the road. And when you feel it getting shaken, come back to these Scriptures. And come back to this reality and say, Lord, what do You say about my life? What do You say about my salvation? Holy Spirit, what are You testifying and bearing witness in my life? So let's thank Him for that assurance and for that standing that we have. And Father, we just come before You. He's playing. You begin to call upon the Lord. And I know Dee exhorted in the, in the music and even Peter exhorted in Sunday school about not worrying about the people around you and how you appear and how you sound. If you need to pray and cry out with groanings that can't be uttered, if you need to lift up and shout a hallelujah, if you need to walk around behind me and find a little space back here, that you, you would meet with God at these altars at this time. And, and let's, let's deal with the Lord seriously and, and joyfully and let Him work in our lives and call upon Jesus right now. Father, I want to thank You for the assurance that we have that we're born of the Spirit of God. That we have, like it says in John 5, we've passed from death to life. And the condemnation has been removed from our lives. He that believeth is not condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Lord, you've been over backwards to, to assure us of that fact. And Lord, let us rest in it by faith. That would please you, God. It would please you if we would rest in that fact this morning and the days ahead. And it may be the way we've doubted our salvation in the past. We wouldn't doubt it in the future. We wouldn't feel condemned and think of ourselves as condemned when you have justified us. And I want to thank you for that because you did it freely, you said, by your grace. Love you and we thank you, God. I don't care how long somebody's been saved, we can doubt at times, God. But if we'll listen to your word and your spirit, we won't doubt. And I pray you'd strengthen us and use us to help others. We all know people that may wrestle with the same thing, God. Use us in a loving, mature way to bring these scriptures to them, that pray with them, to lay this biblical case out before them and let them see where they stand as a true believer in Jesus. We love you this morning, God, and we thank you.